our Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello, we're on. Welcome to episode 99 of We Are Going Up. And it is the last show before we hit the big three digits next week. Episode 100 next week, get your cards in the post, etc. I'm Mark Crossley. And alongside me, a man who ditched us for Jay-Z last week... It's Hello, Jim mate. Knight. Hello. How was Jay Z? He was very good. He was very good. A little bit more <laughs> urban than us. A li- only a little bit. <laughs> didn't hang out with him bit. on the tube, did you? Can't, he must have been the big thing this week. No, isn't no, it? no. I went to see him in Birmingham, so unfortunately I didn't get the chance to yeah. hang out with him on the tube. And as you can hear, Karma Queen makes a welcome return to the studio. Hello. For the first time since the last international break, and I believe this is the first podcast you two have been on together yeah. since last season. Yeah, yeah. very much so. I mean, people would be you know, mistaken for thinking we are the same person with slightly different accents. You are the Gerard and Lampard. Yeah, we Works out a combination of uh, the We Are Going Up podcast. We hope will uh, be for the better of the We Are Going Up fraternity. And I've noticed that on uh, international weeks, DC seems to take a break. Yep. He thinks he's too big for these weeks, clearly. <laughs> he doesn't do that those... pesky sort of League One, League Two no, stuff. He's, uh, he's the type to pull a, a tactical injury um, around the time. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo. Break. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've tweaked my hamstring. I'm going to have to go back he's, and, um, and do other things. He's actually up in Manchester at a fancy conference thing called the Radio Festival, trying to pretend he's important. Um, I'll tell you what's on the show in a second this week, but first. Um, it is a reminder that thanks to our friends at Audible, We Are Going Up can offer you a free one-month trial and free audiobook to walk away with right now. A very special offer that is available, but only if you go to this URL. It is audible.co.uk slash going up. If you're going to sign up, you need to go to that URL. So, Carl or Jim, how do you go about this? So you go there, you fill in your details, and you get a free one-month trial and a selection of great audiobooks to choose from. You can get any of the 80,000 titles, uh, including some of the ones I was looking at earlier. Um, and they include the new one from uh, yeah, Harry, Harry Redknapp, always which managed this week, which has been everywhere. Good. So you can He's been making the most of the international weekend by doing a lot of media around that book. <laughs> he has. So if you needed an invitation to do that. You can <laughs> listen to that. Uh, you've also got the Partridge one on there, which is yes, still that's our great. personal Amazing. favourite. And uh, Neil Warnock's new book is on there. There's all kinds of stuff on there. Uh, the Man Inside the Minds of football's le- Football football's Leaders by Mike Carson, even if I can't say, say it, it. <laughs> is uh, on there. So uh, audible.co.uk slash going up. It's a free one-month trial and a free audiobook to walk away with. Simple as that. Right, later we're going to be reviewing, uh, reviewing even, the weekend's uh, League One and League Two action, plus uh, the sacking of David Weir at Sheffield United, which I think it's fair to say have been coming. That's a, uh, been the first of three sackings uh, this week in the Football League. Kevin Blackwell has finally gone from the gig lane hot seat, something I'm very happy about. Later we'll speak to Ben Collins, who covers Barry for the Manchester Evening News. He'll tell us all about that. Uh, the Shakers lost 2 0 to Morecambe on Saturday. They're just a point above the League Two drop zone after seven games without a win in all competitions. Uh, but let's start in League One. It came a little bit out of the blue when we heard this news at the weekend. But Gillingham chairman Paul Scally has made the decision to sack last season's title winning manager, Martin Mad Dog Allen. The Mad Dog has gone out the door after a run of just two wins from their first 11 games back in League One. His final game, the 2 0 defeat at Shrewsbury on Saturday. Peter Taylor uh, is back as the club's interim manager while they look for a new boss. Daniel Storey is the editor of the Gillingham fan site Jill's Fans Online and we're happy to say that Daniel is on the line right now uh, to give us his take on it all. Dan, first things first, what's your gut feeling? Is this the right or wrong move by Paul Scally? Well, first of all, I'd just like to put it on record of saying thanks to Martin Allen for everything he'd done last season. Obviously, he's only the second manager to ever win a Football League title in our history, so... He deserves nothing but credit and respect for that and uh, obviously all the support thank him for that. However, the chairman has decided that this season he hasn't been good enough and he's paid the price for what has been quite a poor start of on the team and which is pretty much carried on from last season really. On a personal level, I think he's probably made the right decision at this point 
and uh, we have to try and go from here, really, uh, and that's my take on it at the moment. I think there's some stuff going on behind the scenes, but um, we're not privy to that at this point in the moment in time. But certainly there's a rumour rife that the players weren't happy with the manager and there was stuff going on in the dressing room. But obviously that's all speculation. The chairman's decided he's, uh, he has to move on and uh, we go from here with Peter Taylor. Obviously Peter Taylor's been here before. Uh, he promoted, he take- didn't he? He did, he got us promoted. Um, I'd say that last, when he did get us promoted that previous time, he inherited a very good side from Tony Pulis. Tony Pulis had been there five or six years previously and had built a very good side that had gone very close against Manchester City in the playoff final. Obviously, they lost some penalties after a heartbreak. Yeah, Paul Dickoff with that goal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, as we are often reminded, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, obviously, Taylor come in, um, he had a very different style than Tony Pulis. Obviously, Tony Pulis was very much sort of up and at them, in your face, very very big side, very very um, players that like to get in your face and stuff. And Martin came in, uh, sorry, Peter Taylor came in and he got us playing football and he got us over the line with obviously a playoff win at Wingley, uh, playoff Wem- Wembley win against Wigan Athletic. But of course the problem might be that I noticed that he's set down as an interim manager. Uh, basically it's pending a full-time appointment to be made, you know, which could be a few weeks, it could be on the Rafa Benitez style rest of the season basis. Doesn't bode well, does it? Oh, it's, it's hard to say, really. At the end of the day, you need someone to come in who knows the club, knows the support, can get the support back on his side. Because obviously, at the moment, a lot of the heat is with Scally. Because not, not unlike myself, not everyone's happy with the sacking. So obviously, it, on Saturday against Preston at home, there might be a few people who want to vent their anger at Paul Scally. So you bring a man in who's already been there. He's had success with the club. He's he's well renowned for getting teams in the lower divisions up. But obviously, he did well at Brighton. He did well at Hull City. He did well at us. So you bring him in, he appeases the support for now. If he, I mean, if he wins against Preston on Saturday and he wins against North Stanley next Saturday, people won't be, uh, probably won't be too worried about Mayans Allen's departure, will they? That's the fickle nature <laughs> of football. So I think he's brought the right man in. As for long term, I probably don't think Peter Taylor is the right man for the job long term, but give him time, see what he can do. Let him come in. You know, if he gets a couple of results, let him to the end of the season. If he doesn't, then we can get rid of him. If you give him the job full time now, then... If he doesn't do very well, the Scully's going to come in for even more stink than he's probably coming in for at the moment. And we should say, by the way, if you're hearing some Atmos in the background, it's because Dan's at the Hastings Faversham uh, FA Cup tie, aren't you? What's the score there, Dan? Well, it's uh, it's uh, two 0 to Hastings. Okay, okay, okay. I was going to ask you about the uh, the sacking of uh, um, of Martin Allen in comparison to uh, Mark Stimson a few years ago. Paul Scully was accused of reacting too late to that situation when you got relegated from League One in two thousand and ten. Is that a reaction, or is this a, re- a reaction against that? Do you think uh, making the decision so early in the season? Uh, possibly. He probably gave Mark Simpson far too long, really. I mean, Mark Simpson's home record of Priestfield was exceptional. He beat, in that year we went down in 2009-2010, he beat eight of the top ten sides of Priestfield. Uh, you know, it was the away record. It was absolutely dire. They just couldn't win on the road. And I remember speaking to a few players in uh, some player interviews I did for our website, including Mark Bentley. They said, you know, he, they just didn't know what it was. They just they seemed to go into away games and they just seemed to have a... Um, in a block and you know had Stimson won two away games like that, or even one or even one of the last Dallas in the Wickham they would have kept him up you know so you can argue and say he acted too lately but Stimson had a very very good home record it was a away form that, was, that took us down and has Scully acted early this time yes he has and hopefully we'll we're get out of trouble when we stay in this division because one thing we can't afford to do is keep getting relegated to the fourth tier you know we're it's compared to the fourth tier we're, we're a big club obviously in, in League One we're more of a medium sized club in the round clubs that are the same size as us, but in the fourth tier, you know, because last season we had teams turning up like Burton Albion and Nacklin and Stanley, they're putting 33 people to Priestfield. You know, we can't sustain financially that sort of um, level of support. We need bigger away crowds. 
the year we was in there in 2009-2010, 16 of the clubs in that division were south of Birmingham. You know, that brings a lot of away support, that brings a lot of money into the club, and that's why we need to be in this division. So maybe Scully's acted early this time, and hopefully Peter Taylor can keep us up if he keeps the job full-time. After Peter Taylor goes, if he does go, then someone else can keep us up, because we need to stay in this division. And that's probably the point, isn't it? It's the fact that although Martin Allen has got you promoted... Uh, last season and obviously that carries a lot of kudos with it and especially after two wins in the last three people were a little bit surprised with uh, the sacking and thought maybe you know it's a surprising time to sack him but as you've just said you know you've alluded to financially the club can't continue to kind of yo-yo up and down the divisions so it's important that he makes the change early if he feels that it is warranted who do you think he'll be looking at on a full-time basis do you think Peter Taylor will um, will kind of be there for months on end or is it a short-term appointment in your opinion? It's difficult to say, really. I mean, I'm not a fan of who's, who's available manager-wise. I mean, every time the job's come up previously, it's the same old names that get towered about, you know, and it's a bit of a merry-go-round, you know. One manager leaves one club and then he turns up somewhere else. I mean, look at Ipswich Town, you know. They appointed uh, Mick McCarthy last season when he was, wasn't doing very well at a previous club. Kevin Blackwell, another manager who's been around. Neil Warnock, another manager. You know, it's, it's a bit of a sacking merry-go-round, really. And it's getting a bit ridiculous, really. You, but managers need time. And, and, and probably Martin Allen probably deserve more time. He probably at least deserve until at least 20 games a season. But the fickle nature of football these days. And we're, we're in a results business and Allen weren't getting them. So Scully has decided he wants to bring someone else in. Who that is, long term, I really don't know. I mean, like personally, myself, I've, I've watched a few bit of non-league football over the years. And there's some good talent at that level, you know, who probably deserved the opportunity. But he got his hands firm with Mark Stimson last time. So is he going to go back to non-league? Probably not. But, I mean, a lot of Gillingham fans are a bit sort of... Um, they, they tell all these big names, like on our message board, people are saying Nigel Clough. I mean, all due respect, I don't think Nigel Clough is really going to come to our to Gillingham Football Club, is he really? You know, he's doing a very good job at Derby County. Very harsh shacking again. But, you know, he's not going to come and do it. I think that's partly the uh, the fickle optimism of football fans, though, isn't it? But looking at, you've obviously, regardless of who ends up taking charge, they've still got the same players that Martin Allen left behind. You guys got promoted comfortably. You got promoted last season. One would assume... I wouldn't say it was comfortably, not towards the end. (laughs) But one would assume financially you should be in a decent enough state. And you brought in quite a few decent players, not just like any old Tom, Dick or Harry. People like Danny Hollands, big old Bayoakin Fenwer, Cody McDonald you brought in during the close season as well three players right there with excellent experience in the football league so so what's gone wrong bit on the pitch not necessarily let's, let's leave what's happening off the pitch to one side just for a moment but on the pitch what's gone wrong why haven't these players that have come in been able to adapt to, to playing for Gillingham I mean it's difficult I mean if, look at the stats we've conceded in every game this season apart from crew away I mean there's a saying if you don't concede you don't get beat do you I mean we've conceded in every game this season from a defence that was one of the best defenders in the, in the in the fourth tier last year. Now, how have we gone from a, a team that just shut up shop to a team that's just shipping goals left, right, and centre? I really don't know. I mean, you could argue that we've only been hammered once out of the white walls, but we're still conceding goals. So, how have the players gone from being able to um, shut up shop last season to a team that's shipping goals? I really don't know. I mean, we've got the players there. I mean, a lot of the players we brought in last season: Adam Barrett, Leon Leg, Miles Weston, Charlie Allen. The goalkeeper Stuart Nelson are all players that have played higher than fourth tier, so we should be doing a lot better than we're doing. I mean, some of that is probably down to the way Alan was setting his teams up, you know. It was kind of a bit sort of a bit like Tony Pulis many years ago, lumped the ball up to the big man up front. 
long throw-ins, try and score goals. And that, and all due well, does, does that bode team. well for Peter Taylor then? If he took over from Tony Pulis in a similar style all those years ago? Hopefully, I mean, we still we certainly still need to start playing football again anyway. Because uh, as someone quoted a while back, Sky football is not really what you want to pay to watch when you're paying twenty pound, twenty two pound a match. Is it really? You want to see your ball on the ground? You want to see um, well, players want to play I was, football? I was going to ask about. It. I mean, is that perhaps a, a, does that show the difference between League Two and League One? Maybe it does. It does. Um, knocking, lumping the ball up forward and, and um, playing to your strengths works in the fourth tier. I have to say the fourth tier is very weak. You look at the sides now in the Blue Square Premier. There's some very good sides. It always called the Skill Premier now. There's some very good sides in there, and there's probably not a, dif- a lot of difference between the top ten sides in that division and the yeah. bottom sides in League Two. So you know. All due respect, the championship was good, yeah. We've done very well to win it, you know. There's no disrespect to anyone in that division, but it's a very weak division. League, two, League One is very different, and we are finding that out this season. And, and, the, and the tactics that Adam was employing wasn't working, and he probably needed to look at himself. Do you think and I that, don't think he did, really. Do you think that is the problem? He, he relies too much on this mad dog um, persona that he brought about, and tactically, I know uh, Mark tweeted from our account earlier today asking people's thoughts on it. I know a couple kind of saying that you know he he lacks any tactical ability. You know he's a good motivator. No plan yeah. B. I mean, don't no get, plan B, he's a good motivator. There's only so much you can motivate uh, a team well, yeah. who haven't got the skills. Well, to this is um, this is what Ben Bryant said. If we get the correct replacement in, it is the right move to let him go. He was divisive, no focus on youth, tactically inept, but a good motivator. Uh, Ian, though, in contrast, wrong decision deserved far more time given his achievements so far I'd like Danny Murphy or Steve Koppel he it's says yin and yang isn't it yeah um, uh, I'm not quite sure where Steve Koppel uh, comes from he hasn't no. managed the team for a long time has he no I don't think he has is he still at Crawley involved upstairs I think he's still yeah I'm not quite sure um, but yeah Dan uh, tactically Martin Allen not adaptable enough do you not think not really, no. Honestly, the, the football that's being served up this season is is quite poor and there was no plan B. As soon as we go a goal down, you know, there's very little chance of us getting back in the game because uh, the tactics simply ain't working. So, you know, people can be blinded by the fact that you won a league title, but this season it isn't working. Last season it did, this season... I mean, you've got to adapt, aren't you? When you get promoted, any football side, you've got to adapt and you've got to make changes to fit the division they're in. And I don't think Allen's done enough for that. I, I was looking at some reaction to Martin Allen's sacking earlier today and Danny Jackman who, who I now believe is at Kidderminster Harriers having left you guys um, in January uh, was asked whether he was shocked at Martin Allen's sacking and he just simply replied no not really um, and then he, he's basically gone what goes around comes around so there is some I mean he's a guy who's no longer kind of you know indebted to the club and doesn't have to kind of toe the party line as it will but it, it wouldn't surprise me I don't know if you'd feel the same but if there would be more players who would say that they just didn't, they'd lost faith in in Martina and they didn't believe in him. Well, Danny Jackman is a prime example. He was player of the year to the season before he was released by the mm. club. So, I mean, you don't go from player of the year to bad player overnight. I mean, some people uh, were, were highlighting to me this afternoon on my message board that, um, well, the fact that he's now not doing very well at Kidderman Sarah proves that he wasn't good enough for us, but I don't subscribe to that theory. I, at the end of the day, he was let go from the club and Kidderman wanted him, you know, but he was still a good player and he, I think he had every right to be... Um, to be uh, disappointed with the way he was treated by the club because he just got back in the side last season was doing well I mean admittedly he got sent off in uh, one of our home games that may have contributed to our defeat but he was still a very good player and he was let go and he's obviously very disgruntled some of the other players Charlie Lee Chris Welpdale you know put on the transfer list these are players that have played higher than than, than the fourth tier obviously they were both at Peterborough I think I believe Charlie Lee played in the playoff final for Peter many years ago when they won at uh, Old Trafford so, you know, these are players that have played at that level that they, they know they're good players and 
did they lose motivation? Maybe they did. I don't, I don't know. You, that has to be. We're not going to hear anything, are we? Because players are not allowed to say anything. <laughs> well, but, but that's one of the things years. about Twitter. I think now is that players have got a right of reply publicly, yeah. which they never had uh, before. So I, I think I'm not surprised that you're going to get players that have left the club coming out and suddenly sort right. of saying. I wasn't a big, as big a fan of him because and, they're obviously going to say that, aren't they? And that's probably as good an insight into kind of what goes on behind the scenes. Obviously, they're not privy to what's happening this season, but you know, they, people don't change overnight. Martin Allen has this reputation and has had it for a long time of this kind of divisive but very motivational personality. And as Carl just said, if his tactical knowledge and now isn't there, motivation only gets you so far. Yeah. Uh, Dan, final question before we let you go. Uh, eight managers in nine years now. Surely you need some stability. Oh, well, football needs stability, doesn't it, really? I mean, it's, it's not good, is it? You, I mean, uh, you, you need someone there over time to to uh, get a club moving and get a club moving forward. And obviously, mate, Alan uh, Scully's decided that Alan isn't a man for a job, but the next person who comes in needs to be given a long time to get things sorted out. You know, he needs to stabilise the club. We need to stay in this division. We need to have a couple of maybe mid-table finishes. And then we need to push on, you know. Every year, that gap to the championship is getting bigger and bigger. You look at the Oval Town, though, you know. They've gone up this season. They're a small club, maybe slightly smaller than we are. And, you know, they've, they've lost sort of something like six or seven of their last eight games, you know. So the gap is getting bigger and bigger. I'm not saying that, that, that we can get back to the championship because it's a tough road back there. But we've been there. We had five good seasons in there. So we've proved we can get there. But unless you've got someone in who's going to uh, overhaul everything that's going on at the club and, and get some stability, we're, we're just going to keep bouncing between the bottom two divisions. And I'm sure the chairman doesn't want that, the supporters doesn't want that, and, and anyone who has Ginning in a football cup with their heart doesn't want that. So, you know, yeah, bring someone in, give him time, you know. We need to we need to develop youth. One thing I would say is that the managers we've had over the last five years, no one has developed the youth players. Are they not good enough or are we not managing properly? Either way, we haven't had enough youth players come through and we need more coming through, really, it, it, to move forward because we're, we're a small club, you know, and that's how you make your money through, through the likes of Matt Jarvis we had at our place and people like that, you know. So, hopefully, yeah, do need some stability, yeah. but... Stability gone in football, maybe it has. I don't know. <laughs> I think it has. Uh, that's certainly a task for the new manager developing the youth. Uh, cheers, Dan. Thanks very much for coming on. We appreciate no it. That's uh, Daniel Story, the editor of the Gillingham fan site, Jill's Fans Online. You can visit that by going to fansonline.net slash Gillingham. And next, a side who went in the opposite direction to Gillingham over the summer and have also sacked their manager over the last few days. Well, the floodgates have well and truly opened. Kevin Blackwell became the third managerial casualty in the Football League this week when he was sacked by Bury on Monday morning. He took over at Gig Lane a year ago and following the club's relegation from League One against a backdrop of well-documented financial trouble, it must be said. He now leaves them 21st in League Two, just a point above the relegation zone, uh, following a run of no wins in their last seven games. Personal interest declared. I'm a Bury fan. Regular listeners will know that. Uh, but one man who should be, tell us, uh, should be able to tell us a little bit more about all this is Ben Collins who covers the Shakers for the Manchester Evening News and Ben was there on Saturday when Barry lost 2-0 to Morecambe uh, Ben firstly thank you very much for coming on um, I'm guessing this wasn't the most surprising news when you heard it this morning No um, the way uh, the fans reaction towards the end of the game you know it, uh, it kind of left the uh Kevin Blackwell's position untenable, really. And just sort of to explain the uh, uh, the situation of when Blackwell sort of came in chronologically, uh, he came in last September 
and uh, last season was one of the worst uh, on and off the pitch for Bury in their history and they were already in the relegation zone when he came in uh, but there was all sorts going on last year wasn't there like transfer embargoes and players leaving just give us a little bit a little bit of background on what went wrong last season Yeah well um, Kevin Blackwell took over when uh, Bury were bottom of the league just over a year ago last September and um, you know I don't think anyone can argue that uh, he had a difficult job on his hands you know when it wasn't clear at the time just how how uh, bleak the club's financial situation was. Gradually, it, uh, it came out around Christmas time with the transfer bargain coming into effect. He couldn't make any change to his squad uh, in the January transfer window. Results had just start, started to turn a little bit there, but um, with the squad being so thin, they weren't going to be able to uh, maintain that kind of form. So um, it quickly became apparent that... Uh, Kevin Blackwell was fighting a losing battle in terms of uh, keeping the club in League One. And then it all changed over the summer, didn't it, with a new chairman who came in and took over the club, Stuart Day? It did, yeah. I mean, um, Stuart Day's uh, his background's a bit... Uh, not much is known about it, So, um, but he came in with a, with a consortium which uh, managed to alleviate the club's immediate financial problems, such as avoiding administration and therefore a, a points deduction. It managed to uh, keep the club going in the, in the short term, but um, the, the club made you know some bold statements about what uh, the new board made some bold statements about what they might be able to achieve, um, not just over the course of this coming season, but uh, they announced a five-year plan to hopefully you know develop and go back up the leagues and maybe go back into the championship. Um, the revolution they called it. Exactly, yeah, and um, it. Uh, it soon started to look like that when, with all the re- rebuilding work that was going on uh, around Gig Lane, I think yourself, Mark, is a very fan and know uh, the ground was starting to look a bit dated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they've they brought it right up to uh, modern standards with all the work that was going on over the summer off the pitch. On the pitch, Kevin Blackwell managed to bring in 20 plus new players and virtually completely overhauled the squad. So these statements about being able to challenge began to appear that it, it might not be just a tie dream. Ben, for those of us who don't follow Barry that closely, we hear a lot of t- about teams who were close to calling it a day. The mind obviously springs up examples like Portsmouth in very recent memory. And I, I remember seeing quotes at the time from Kevin Backwell saying that the club were on the brink of oblivion. A two-tiered question. Firstly, just how close were Barry to uh, you know going out of existence? And then secondly, when... It was taken over by Stuart Day. Were the fans a little bit too over-optimistic about what this season could bring? Firstly, in terms of how close they were to uh, going to oblivion, I think that that uh, depends on who it's how you speak to. But most football fans, you know, are aware of clubs going into administration when they when they get into financial difficulty. But I was told that um, it's actually quite costly for it. A club that has to you have to pay to go into administration and pay the administrators, and well, certainly Kevin Blackwell was uh, suggesting that the finances were that bleak that they wouldn't even be able to pay to go into administration, so that they'd be going straight into liquidation, into oblivion, as he puts it. As for the takeover, Sude came in and it did alleviate those immediate problems, and perhaps the, the fans did get carried away with it all, but. I can understand why, with the, the kind of fuss uh, that the board made about the takeover, all the bold statements they make, and like you said, Mark, you know, uh, calling uh, calling it a revolution. Well, they lowered um, lowered ticket prices, didn't they? And put all just kind of he's put free coaches onto away games and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think that those um, you know were good 
good gestures to kind of get the, the fans on the side. And I think we've, when you bring in as many players as he did, I think it's natural to uh, to, to expect that uh, the team going to be uh, challenging the next season. You know, you know, fair enough. You know, Kevin Blackwell's not paying transfer fees for these players. A lot of these players are out of contract uh, for one reason or another. Um, but when you manage to uh, overhaul the, the squad, you know that that much. And at the time, he said that um, one of the positives from being able to do that was this kind of no hangover um, from last season's relegation. Uh, all that kind of the, the, the bad vibes have got uh, have been virtually completely taken away, and it was a whole new positive outlook, not just amongst the fans, the board, but amongst the squad. And you know that's certainly what we were led to believe. Um, coming into this season. With that and in mind then, if, if the general feeling was that the, the squad were going to be good enough to challenge, is it a case of him chopping and changing too much that he didn't necessarily know his best team and that's kind of what's cost him? Was it his tactics, his style of play or or was it just a man management issue? Yeah, I was just about to move on to that. You know, he said, although uh, Kevin Blackwell did feel that the, uh, the team could do something this season, um, he did say it would take time for, for the players to gel, for, for him to find out what he's best starting 11 would be and the fans did give him some leeway there you could see with the first few results although it took a, a few games to get that first win under the belt the performances were improving week on week and you could see a kind of passing developing with um, starting to get a settled side and get an idea of what tactics uh, he felt suited the team and especially the, the home games against Ot- uh, Accrington and, and Cheltenham, uh, Cheltenham. Yeah. yeah they, they were you know really impressive and it, it, it did especially after those performances in um, Tottenham and Stanley the fans were well I was getting uh, completely getting I was getting carried away on this show saying how, how well we were going to do I think you backed your yeah. team to get automatic promotion this season Mark <laughs> and then uh, playoffs actually I think yeah that looks <laughs> ridiculous now but, um, but it's, it's all gone wrong since then I thought Ben I'd read you a tweet um, oh, sorry not a tweet a post I read a Berry fan today uh, this is what he said about Kevin Blackwell Blackwell was given a very difficult job by the previous board he was tasked with getting rid of overpaid players and keeping us in League One and his job was made more complicated by the dire mismanagement of the finances however his arrogance and his disdain for the supporters were always going to count against him his tactics were predictable and his ability to sell always outweighed what he actually achieved and he has been quite outspoken hasn't he in interviews he's been very defensive about his record and I think that's kind of rubbed people up the wrong way a little bit yeah that was in fact I was talking to one of the, uh, the directors on the board um, on, on the last board earlier today and um, we were kind of saying that uh, well I was saying that last season although you know he was Kevin Black was, was behind the eight ball. He kept saying that his hands were tied and, you know, it was difficult not to agree with that. But um, at the same time, it was uh, nothing was ever his fault. Yeah. He always seems keen to point the fingers at the board, at the players, um, and he was coming out with all sorts of excuses. So, it was, you know, it's difficult for the fans to kind of endear to him. Well, speaking about uh, players, and we, we mentioned this earlier with Gillingham with a couple of players that have moved on, um, sort of reacting against Martin Allen, sacking, saying they weren't surprised. Tell us what the Morecambe captain, Mark Hughes, said to you after the, the game on Saturday where they beat Berry 2-0. Yeah, um, as you can imagine, uh, well, Mark was released by Berry uh, over the summer. was immediately snapped up by Morecambe and Jim Bentley thought highly enough of him to make him his captain straight away. So coming back to Berry, you know, he felt like uh, he, he had something to prove to Kevin Blackwell, and he certainly did that. And you know, he said how much uh, he's benefited from playing under a manager like Jim Bentley, who is a mate of all the players, 
Uh, and he said, ah, we felt that although Kevin Blackwell uh, gave Matthews a lot of games, just after he was taken over, he was, he was still coming out and criticising the players, saying they weren't good enough. And it's probably not advisable to, to be criticising players who you've still got to pay, that you've still got to play every week. Ben, let's, um, let's have a look at some of the possible replacements for Kevin but I mean this is quite an important appointment for Stuart Day because he's not a foot you know he's coming he's a property developer he's coming to the club uh, he said all the right things he's um you know he's had the uh, the guts to uh, to get rid of the manager when it wasn't working now he's got to appoint the right man is the right man going to be an experienced manager like Danny Wilson or someone well, that's like, who you want Mark, that's, that's, that's who the I only, want. you're the only person who said it. he's not on the betting list Danny Wilson he's an ex-player and he's not got a job at the moment or is it going to be or is the uh, the way forward like an up-and-coming manager like Andy Morell at Wrexham or Steve Burr at Kidderminster or someone like that um, well I think uh, like you say with the chairman with not having a football background it's difficult to tell exactly which way he wants to go with it um, you know you don't know what links uh, he's got you know which people he's been talking to um, so it's difficult to predict um, which kind of manager he's going to be after. I mean, from the outside looking in, someone like Danny Wilson, yeah, uh, with lots of experience in the lower leagues, surely would be um, the best option for them. But you know, if he's still sticking by his five-year plan to get them back into the championship, you know, he could be going for you know a more high-profile appointment uh, to kind of kickstart this revolution that uh, that they were going on about well, over the summer Jim, Jim's got the betting up in front of him I think I know he doesn't have the betting up in front of him he did he doesn't anymore his laptop's gone but um, the likes of uh, or Ronnie Jepsen well, well Ronnie Jepsen's favourite I was just looking at it a moment ago and he's 4-1 to one to actually take the job full time Gary, Gary Megson there's a lot of four, like former Barry players yeah, like there Chris is, Lichetti yeah. uh, you mentioned people like Gandhi Morell for example Steve Keane's currently third favourite yeah. no. which just fills anyone with dread for uh, obvious reasons <laughs> but, Ma- yeah. Mike Phelan another one Manchester United's old assistant now doesn't have a mm. job at the moment what do you, what, what do you, what do you reckon where's your money going to go Ben? Um, it's staying fairly in the pocket at the moment um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we put in um, today's Manchester United news that uh, a name that um no one's really mentioned yet was uh, Norberto Solano. Wow. Wow. Um, and he applied for the job yesterday. So um, it's it's kind of one out of left field that, um, given some of the names that have already been uh, thrown up in the bettings that, that you mentioned there. He has got a bit of managerial experience. Um, after finishing it, his playing career at Hartlepool uh, a couple of years ago, He's gone back to Purdue and yeah, had a, a, a six-month uh, spell there. Because he brought in a couple yeah. of players who, I think, during his time at Newcastle, I think he took over a couple of players who didn't quite make the grade at Newcastle and managed to convince them to go over to Peru. I'm sure I spoke to um, a few Newcastle fans at work because Solano used to play for Leicester as well, so it's kind of a mutual thing. And yeah, I think he's... He, uh, I'm not sure how he did over there, but he certainly had a bit of experience, hasn't he, uh, over there? Well, it's the top... So I'm actually looking at the top tier of Peruvian football. Yeah. The ground which holds 80,000 people. So there's a bit of a change if he goes to Giggle, <laughs> I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, he's... Uh, by all accounts, he did a good job. You know, we took them away from the relegation zone uh, into the top half of the table. For some reason, um, at the end of the season, he was uh, relieved of his duties. Not sure exactly why. But uh, apparently he's been offered a few coaching opportunities abroad uh, since then. But he wants to uh, make his mark in England in the lower leagues, which, as I said, you know, plays a hard ball and he's picked up these uh, Newcastle players, young lads who uh, so he does have some experience at that level. And I think he feels he, w- he wants to get an opportunity with a club like Berry now and, and do um, 
what Gus Poirier did with Brighton and Paolo Di Canio did with, uh, with Swindon. Interesting. Well, one to watch. And if you want to read more on that, get the Manchester Evening News, uh, which is out today. Thanks for coming on, Ben. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. That's uh, Ben Collins, who reports on Berry for the Manchester Evening News. Right now, it's time for the latest in our My Club series, 125 seconds to celebrate your club, uh, to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Football League. Today, it's all about Rotherham United. This is We Are Going Up, my club in 125 seconds. Hello, I'm John Roden and my club is Rotherham United. So, John, can you remember the first Rotherham match you ever went to? Uh, my first game was in 1987. Uh, I think I was, well, I was born in 78, so that's about, what, 9, 8. Uh, and Rotherham drew at home against Mansfield Town. We drew 2-2. What's the, uh, the best match you've ever been to? For kind of sheer emotion, uh, possibly about 10 years ago when we went from League 1 up to the Championship, we beat Brentford uh, at Old Millmore. Uh, we beat them 2-1. And Alan Lee scored in about the 90th minute. Your worst memory of the Don Valley Stadium? <laughs> what was uh, the worst it, thing about it? What was good about it? Three, three, well, there wasn't much good about it. <laughs> a, it was in Sheffield. B, uh, it was freezing even in August. Uh, and C, there was probably only about 3,500 people there. Uh, so not not much good comes out of Sheffield and certainly nothing comes out of Don Valley Stadium. <laughs> John, in your two and a half decades of supporting Rotherham, who's your favourite player to ever play for the Millers? My personal favourite, he, he didn't play for us very long, uh, a midfielder called Steve Thompson, ex-Leicester. I think he had a spell at... Uh, well, he's now the assistant manager at Blackpool and he was just a, a, a really good player. Do you like Steve Evans? <laughs> Why? Everybody likes Steve Evans, don't they? <laughs> uh, it, I personally, I like Steve Evans. I, I can see why people don't. He's just one of those characters what you either love or you hate. I love him. And John, final question. Every club really has a famous football fan, but have you ever seen Rotherham's favourite fans, the Chuckle Brothers, <laughs> on any wet, rainy away days? I have to admit, I've, never, I've not seen them at an away game. <laughs> they, do go to, they, they do go to the a lot of the games, home and away, but I, I, they, they sit in the posh seat. So, uh, so, <laughs> the sandwich. so they don't let me eat the indoors but uh, we like the Chuckle Brothers My Club in 125 seconds we are going up we've got the Football League covered so we'll have another one of those on the show next week for uh, episode 100. But right now it is time to round up the rest of uh, what's been going on uh, this weekend in the Football League. And of course, that was only in League One and League Two because of the international break. And I suppose the top story in League One uh, that we uh, haven't talked about so far is the sacking of David Weir at Sheffield United, who after the weekend's games now find themselves adrift at the bottom of uh, League One. They've taken just five points from their opening 11 games, which is a shocking return. And um, Jim, 3-2 defeat at Coventry on Sunday and uh, things weren't getting any better for Chris Morgan. They certainly weren't, no. It's difficult, isn't it? Because a 3-2 defeat at Coventry in isolation is, is fine. But as you say, the expectation and the hope around that club for the last couple of years, really, in the way that they've kind of stagnated in League One, um, obviously made the change in the summer. That uh, You know, we spoke earlier um, about Gillingham making a change early and kind of not leaving it too late. And I think Sheffield United are probably in a similar situation where they know that, you know, by rights, they probably believe they should be a championship club. And it's weird to see them in the kind of bottom half of that, that division. Nigel Clough, Carl, would he be able to turn it around if he went in there? 
uh, difficult season. I mean, we had the advantage of being able to watch the entire Coventry game at the weekend, and they just tur- didn't bother turning up in that first half. They looked like yeah. a team were expecting to lose. Uh, I mean, Clough, by the time many people here, could already be appointed. Um, manager, of course, he is odds on, and I mean, I, I he... noticed Michael Vaughan's been taking a great delight in the fact he's a former Sheffield Wednesday player. <laughs> Could be going in at Sheffield United, yeah, but I mean, yeah. um, I mean, there isn't much else. I mean, he'd be dropping down a division, wouldn't he? But uh, I think that's a good appointment. I think them, it'd be though. a fantastic that, appointment if they could I'd get him in. I'd be over the moon if uh, I was yeah, a Sheffield United exactly. fan. Sheffield United fans need to be a, just take a pinch of realism at the moment. Look where they are. They can't expect. I mean, it's people like Svenjor and Eriksson being linked uh, to them. Come I, on, let's just I'd let's, let's have these be realistic. Take Cluffy and salvage this season and stay up and then work on next year I've got to say Coventry are having an absolute storming they season are. so I'm so sort of happy for those fans <laughs> even though they can't go to, to watch their own team at a principle they're um, they're having a great great season and that's, that strike partnership must be the best in, in League One yeah. Leon, Leon Clark with two fantastic goals yesterday and Callum Wilson's yeah. one top corner flying aren't they and 10 goals already it's fantastic because got. I think they're fourth or fifth on true form obviously because after a of the ten deduction, point deduction yeah. they're a bit lower down the league but if they carry on as they go in I know their squad is relatively small and obviously they're probably having to play the same 18 players every week and they're not going to have the rotation that some of the other bigger squads like Sheffield United for example although they're not mm. doing very well they've got probably got a bigger squad of 25 mm-hmm. players we to should, rotate around we should say if you do want more on uh, Sheffield United we spoke to Ian Rands um, who writes the Sheffield United blog United View and Football a couple of weeks ago so if you go back in the archive you'll uh, get a full rundown of what's been going wrong under David Weir at Sheffield United uh, so we expect Nigel Clough to go in there this week uh, three teams down the bottom of League One who got much needed wins at the weekend uh, Tranmere Rovers Crew Alexandra and Stevenage we'll start with Tranmere you might remember about this time last season they were top of League One they had a brilliant first half of last year under Ronnie Moore um, but it's just not quite got going this year but they did get a big win at Bradford 1-0 on Sunday so, something that uh, Leighton Orient fans should be worth being remembered about because <laughs> that bubble could burst and when it bursts it sinks as well I spoke to a Leighton Orient fan today and he was desperately just hoping against all hope that they don't pull a tram here as he's going <laughs> learn whatever you can from those mistakes but no I mean that was the ultimate coupon buster this weekend really wasn't Definitely. it Bradford who were unbeaten in seven Trammer had picked up one point in their last seven and watching the highlights of this Bradford had plenty of chances and it was Trammer were able to well, there was a bit of um, kerfuffle which I enjoyed Archie between Barnes, the two, two managers yeah, um, Phil Parkinson wasn't happy with some of the refereeing decisions and at the end uh, Ronnie Moore was kind of punching the air and blah 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 and Phil Parkinson sort of said don't do that in front of our fans enjoy your win but don't do that and Ronnie Moore said I think Phil's getting a bit carried away with the cup final and Arsenal or whatever he needs to settle down a bit well yeah perhaps but there was also a very very good shout I think it was Ian Goodison the uh, Tramis skipper who didn't just catch uh, one of the Bradford <laughs> players with an elbow but basically knocked him flying right in front of the two dugouts I think that was the, the incident yeah, in exactly and it, he was very very lucky it, it, okay not that I'm going to um, condone you know assaulting a, a fellow footballer on the on the pitch as well but that is the kind of slice of luck which sometimes a team requires and had they gone down to 10 men this game was still nil nil at that point the things mm. could have been yeah. completely different they, they could have lost lo- one probably, lost that probably would have done you know given their current form so this could be the uh, the spark which helps lift their season Stevenage uh, with a win against Brentford who are really having a, a poor season they're down in a length I think they've lost five of the last seven games or something like that uh, but Stevenage with a a much-needed win, and they brought in Francois Zoko, who's basically played for every club in the Football League, I think, in the last <laughs> couple of years. Um, but he's got, I think, two goals in his first uh, week there. 
and that was a crucial win despite a bit of a goalkeeping blooper uh, David Button do stand up uh, on this one I mean don't sit down and yeah, don't do that again don't try a drag back I think is the question now I mean goalkeeper Brentford were winning 1-0 at that point as well absolutely he'd watched Soccer AM in the morning hadn't he and he'd seen like <laughs> yeah. you know like where Brad Guzan sent the uh, the striker the, the wrong way the other week and it was on the show yeah. he's and just done that he's tried to do that and although I haven't seen it I have read that he was at fault for um, their defeats against Peterborough and the uh, Johnston Paints as well that was in midweek midweek yeah. as well so he's not having near the best well, of times Graham Wesley's not Graham Wesley's not had the best of times back there but that is an important victory you feel and uh, Crew Alexander a team we absolutely well we did nothing really but sing their praises last year they won the Johnston Paint Trophy they consolidated their promotion with a very good finish in League One but it's just not quite clicked until they went to Preston um, who were unbeaten at home this season and banged in uh, two uh, beauties actually uh, both goals the second one in particular scored by checking notes Braddon Inman <laughs> what, what a strike that was right footed into the top corner and that was a big win it was fantastic especially when you look at their kind of last three results so it's a 3-0 loss to, to Gillingham and obviously as we've touched on those wins are few and far between for Gillingham yeah. so that kind of reflects how, how bad that was a 4-0 loss to Notts County and then a 4-0 loss to Fleetwood in the, uh, the Football League trophy so yeah a 2-0 win against a, a Preston side who were um, Unbeaten at home. Unbeaten at home, yeah. Certainly not a team that you would you wouldn't look down that fixture list and say, oh, I reckon Crew could uh, to get something there, especially with the d- defensive record they've had. But mm. yeah, so that's that's uh, Preston's third defeat now in a row, three it, two no defeat. It is. They need to uh, address that. Carl, you wanted to mention free kicks this week because there was uh, well three beauties in particular. Uh, there was um, Ryan Taylor for Walsall away at Colchester, mm-hmm. last minute, ninety seventh minute. What a strike that was! Also, there was uh, the goal for Morecambe uh, at Bury. Uh, scored by Ryan Williams which was an absolute beaut and Alex Pritchard for Swindon in a, a 4-0 away win at Rotherham which um, at half time wasn't looking likely uh, no well it's not been looking likely all season um, Alex Pritchard did something similar against the MK Dons that was a Sky game wasn't uh, it? Was, yeah. absolutely yeah so um, again yes he is one of our Spurs loanies uh, this season he, we've done those guys have all done very well. They've shown that they are decent, decent outfits. Uh, the players that have come in as well. But yeah, our first away win in the league since March. We beat QPR, which is not many teams can say that this season. Beat them in the League Cup. Um, where it came from, I don't know. Um, decent season so far for us. Mid-table as well. I'd probably expect better um, than you, you thought when absolutely. Cooper, Cooper yeah, got Mark Cooper. We talked a lot about you know, assistants taking over today, and he was one who took over from Kevin McDonald and. I, thought, I was one of the people that thought, oh, no, <laughs> really? You said really? it on this podcast. Absolutely. And when there's plenty of other people that were linked with the job. But so far, so good. He's brought in a lot of players. Obviously, the people that Kevin McDonald brought in from Spurs, but people like Nicky Jose and Danny Engesson, both people who scored at the weekends, people that you guys would probably know from their mm. times at Leicester in the form of Engesson and Jose at Berry. And yep. they've, they've been around, they've... They've struggled to really settle anywhere. And okay, granted, Josie, for example, is on loan, um, but he always is. Yeah, he always, he always is. is, of course. But hey, permanently. They're in form. Noah Rangers had a couple of injuries, so those guys have had to kind of step up. And thankfully, they have them, um, which uh, has been surprising. And I won't say anything other than mid-table will do. That's okay, into League Two we go. And um, first of all, we uh, should start by saluting a team who I think, Carl, last time you were in the studio during the last international break, we were uh, talking about in depth Hartlepool United who were really struggling for goals and form and all that kind of thing. This week, three victories in a week, including in the um, in the Johnson's Paint Trophy in midweek. And they won 3-0 at the weekend away at Exeter. That's a hell of a journey home after a 3-0 victory. Yeah. Um, but they look really, really good. And you know, it just does show that sometimes if you stick with a, a new manager 
in his, his first club, it can come good. And it has done for uh, yeah. Colin Cooper at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it just proves what a lottery football is, I suppose, really, where sometimes you do need to change a manager and it works, and sometimes you stick with them and then, hey, results start going their way and Hartlepool start climbing up the table as well. Again, as you mentioned, that's one heck of a trip uh, back from Exeter. I'm sure it would have seemed a lot shorter. Um, what, was your, what was your stat, Jim, about, about their away record with that victory? I think it was the first time they recorded uh, back-to-back away wins in two years. So mm. that shows how much the fans have had to suffer through a lot of long kind of arduous away it's trips suffering it's a lot of petrol money yeah it's a lot of petrol money and a lot of kind of downturn faces isn't it making the long up to 16 what was, all the, what was all the bother about yeah, they're yeah, up to 16 they're doing absolutely fine one team who are doing absolutely fine as much as it pains me to say it in uh, League 2 are Rochdale who are in 5th place and the opening goal I think it was the opening goal second goal for them this weekend against Newport was an absolute screamer Peter Vincenzi yes. um, taking one out of the uh, Stephen Gerrard book. It was you could, brilliant. Yeah, uh, I, I got a few. T- I got a few tweets from Rochdale fans saying, "Oh, why don't you mention us on the show?" Well, we're mentioning him. Well, okay, you know, well, I mean, score a goal like that every week. Okay, and you'll be you could slag him off a bit in a, in a bit, Mark. I'm sure, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the, uh, the four football, wins in five, the football cliche handbook. I think screamer would uh, mm. be appropriate for the description of that Good one. Good hit, wasn't it? Keyfield doing a great job second time around there. OK, what else have we got? Well, David Moyes made a tr- <laughs> trip to the seaside this weekend. Manchester United manager, where did he go on International Week? Did he go abroad to watch any of the big uh, European qualifiers? Did he go to South America? See how that was going on? Did he go elsewhere? No, he went to watch Fleetwood against Chesterfield. Oh, I'd be worried if I was a Manchester because United Because he's looking fan. at Tendai Dariqua, um, who plays for is, Chesterfield is as a potential sign. Is he actually? Supposedly, Is yeah. he actually? Things have got bad. If Manchester United, I'm not granted. I know they people, signed people like Nick Powell in the past, and they do bring in young players. Well, maybe he just went to Fleetwood. Maybe he lives near there. It's a nearby club, and he wanted to kind of get away from it and let his curly ginger hair down <laughs> and just watch a game of real football. But there should be nothing to be read into it. And if he's looking at people like John Parkin, for example, then <laughs> Man United you fans should imagine. Worry. I was going to mention John Parkin again on target. Oh, yeah, well, what a goal. Him, him and Wayne Rooney up front, they'd be a He's become couple. their super sub, hasn't he? In Absolutely. Talking of uh, great goals, well, all right, the John Parkin one wasn't a great goal, it was just a good finish. <laughs> a good but um, Jamie Curiton, we should give uh, the man, yeah, a little bit Absolute, of a round of applause, round of applause for his 250th league goal. That um, is outstanding, isn't beautifully it? Beautifully chipped home for Cheltenham, and I'm just trying to work out how old he is now. Have a look, see how old he's. 38. Yeah, he's 38. He'll probably go for a bit longer as well. And he was someone that I kind of, coming from the West Country, kind of grew up knowing a lot about because he spent an age at Bristol Rovers, and he's, yeah. he's played for the likes of Reading, played for Swindon for a short while as well, and um, you know now found his home down, getting back into Southwest, formerly with Exeter and now Ch- um, Cheltenham. Um, but it would take a long time, I reckon, for you to work out all the teams he's scored for. Now, I'm not suggesting we do that now because there's a particular anomaly. Show's nearly finished. We haven't got time. <laughs> there's a particular anomaly in Norvis and he starts his career off at Norwich and goes on loan and goes elsewhere to people like Bristol Rovers and Reading and then all of a sudden goes and signs for a club in South Korea for really? a season. A team called Busandl Park. Yeah, um, he yeah, did. He apparently signed 2003. For, for a season. Um, wow. Why that happened, I don't know. That'd be one He scored th- four goals, though, in 20 21 games, so well, let, let's try and get him on the I, show. I assume, later those this four, I assume those four goals do count in the 250. Yeah. Just to finish off on the lunchtime game on League um, on Saturday in League Two was uh, Plymouth against Portsmouth, and there's some kind of name for it, like the Dock Derby or something like that. That someone's come up with. Um, but Jed, Jed Wallace with yeah. another good goal. He's been one of the shining lights in Portsmouth season. The, the, the way he controlled that, he could have taken it first time, but he yeah. took the extra touch and then the outside of his right foot into the top corner, top left hand corner. Brilliant finish, or top right hand corner. Sorry, it's quite encouraging isn't it for Pompey you know they've got this kind of new start this year and they're kind of this uh, kind of resurgent club under the the ownership of the fans and this kind of thing and to see uh 
product of their kind of youth system coming through. He's only 19 and to see him play with such maturity as well because he was he was the best player in that game and you could see he was just oozing confidence. There was a chance about, I think it was probably about 20 minutes before he scored in the first half as well. He just kind of took the ball on his chest and lashed it on the volley yeah. and it went just past the, the far post but to have someone playing with such confidence is brilliant. Uh, just a reminder that thanks to our friends at Audible, We Are Going Up can now offer you a free one-month trial and a free audiobook to walk away with. So get on this this week. Seriously good offer. You do need to sign up at this URL though, audible.co.uk slash going up. So if you listen to us and you fancy a free audiobook um, instead of a podcast or two, you want something to keep you going, go on there. As we mentioned at the top of the show, 80,000 titles you can pick from. So uh, why not do that right now if you just sat there at your computer listening to us and doing absolutely nothing. Uh, audible.co.uk slash going up is where you need to go. Right, quick fantasy football update before we close the show. Uh, Jim football is on update. it. Who is top of the Wagyu League fantasy-footballleague.co.uk or something stupid URL like that. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> it is uh, Garen Mackay. Well done, Gaza. Um, with his team resign or die so that's good he's got 427 <laughs> points a good that's a ludicrous amount of points I know yeah ludicrous good, name good, for a tw- team. good 25 points to uh, who's second in second uh, Colin Cowan with uh, Loophole FC who's third um, Domster United okay Dom Rainford and who is bottom who's got the wooden spoon at the moment scroll all the way down to the bottom (laughs) it's not me is it no in 94th place we've got White Vikings from Craig Ramsden they've only got 68 points so I think he probably needs to log in and change his team I'm not sure if I can just have a quick might have a quick look actually and see who he's got see who he's got got in there he must be having someone getting sent off every week or just just on the do do we know what order um, do we know what order us lot are right more importantly forget forget all this forget all this where are we Jim more importantly yeah his, uh, his top score is Andy Reid the lad that's bottom so that tells you all you need to know if your top scorer is Andy Reid you say um, that he's had a good season so far ah, he's a fast player you're a Leicester fan move like on Who's, how, um, how are we doing me I'm 25th oh yeah so 314 points no, just, forget the points just behind me is Carl okay. 28th good. standard good. Mark, oh hello I'm, I'm not bottom well you're 50th G- um, DC DC 61st so oh, need to days. stop going to big oh, time that, radio that's enjoyable that is enjoyable soundcloud.com slash wagyu podcast if you want to listen on soundcloud and you listen via the soundcloud app as well and you get all the bits separately on there if you just want to listen to particular interviews from the past also you can uh, go to iTunes there's been loads of good blogs up this week Carl on yeah, the website absolutely. we are going up uh, Rotherham United and Chatham Town spring out from my particularly the Steve Evans effect has okay. he been for better or for worse go and have a read of that we are going up.co.uk uh, Jim, thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Carl, thank you. Thank you. I'll be back in the next uh, international break. On, mate. <laughs> um, See you at the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Next week is show number 100. Well, what, we, what you got lined up for us? I'm Mark? not sure yet. It's, is there going to be cake? It's a secret. There's going to be a red carpet to the studio. I know that. Champagne it's, reception. We've been doing the show for over two years. It is the big number 100. Join us next week to see what's in store. Because right now I've not got a bloody clue. <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll, Same as every week. We'll speak to you in seven days' time. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.